Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Take On Board podcast, where we talk all things boards and governance. I'm your host, Halia Svensson. Being on a board can be interesting, valuable and exciting, yet it can also be really lonely, challenging and hard. So here at Take On Board, we'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you build your governance wisdom. We'll shine a light on how to navigate your way onto your first board or to build your board portfolio. We'll also help you to work through those challenges that keep you awake at night. Each week, I'll talk to women who have been there, done that, and together we'll discover what we need to take on board to be your best in the boardroom. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Jack Phillips about her journey to the boardroom. First, let me tell you about Jack. Jack is currently on the boards of Food Revolution Group and was previously on the boards of Melbourne Communities Foundation, Fitted for Work, Skin and Cancer Foundation, Deakin University Marketing Advisory Board and Good Cycles. Founder and Chief Creative Officer of Jack Phillips Executive Coaching and Advisory, Jack recently stepped away from a 25-year corporate career across Australia, New Zealand and Asia, leading the marketing functions for brands like IBM, ANZ, Westpac and most recently Visa. Now she coaches awesome business leaders, mostly women, advises two tech startups, and she recently joined her first listed board. A portfolio career, working for herself, and she reckons she's the best boss she ever had. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Jack. Thank you, Helia. It's an absolute treat to be here. I, I confess I was smiling wryly when I looked at your introduction about you saying you're the best boss you ever had because I often joke with people now that I'm self-employed that, gee, my boss, she understands me better than anybody else I've ever worked for, but, oh, she's the hardest boss I've ever had. <laughs> yes, we're not easy on ourselves, are we? No, I think I probably need to work more on being like your boss and being the best boss rather than the hardest boss. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Uh, this boss here knows way too much about my past, though, so that could be a problem. <laughs> and and if she's anything like my boss, probably not enough about what the future is. Too much about the past, not enough about the future. <laughs> so, Jack, before we talk about your journey to the boardroom and lessons from that, as always, I would love to dig a little bit deeper about you. So can you tell me a story about young Jack that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Sure. There's lots of stories, Helia, but I'll keep this very well behaved. I grew up in a really small town in New Zealand, actually. Uh, and if I asked those who I grew up with, what do they remember me for? I think it would be talking, uh, helping others, asking lots of questions. 
I was really, really curious. I loved learning more about people and hearing their stories. And I was also horse mad. Mm-hmm. I believed in fairness and equality from a really young age too. And how that manifested itself was thinking that I could do anything my brother or any other boy could do. So I played soccer. I did martial arts. I competed in BMX races. And I became one of the first female radio announcers in New Zealand back in the mid 80s. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess you could say I was a bit of a tomboy, much to my mother's dismay, um, but she was a strong woman. And I had an awesome father who told us that we could be and do anything that we wanted to, that we were only ever limited by our own minds. So I guess I was blessed, really, and, and therefore I didn't see sort of too many barriers to my future. So, so this sort of confidence or naivety certainly helped me as I leapt at things that most others probably would have shied away from. I became an on-air announcer at a very young age, uh, 20, great face for radio. Um, and as a female, uh, you know, this was pretty rare uh, in New Zealand back in the mid-80s. Uh, I was only the second female on air. The other female was an Australian, actually, who was living in New Zealand at the time. I just believed I could do it and would be good at it. Of course, I wasn't good. I had a steep learning curve to climb, which I did. And as I started to master being on air in my first real job, my family decided to move from New Zealand to the other side of Australia. So I pretty much needed to start all over again when I arrived in Australia because I had this Kiwi accent, which wasn't going to cut it on air in Perth. So from there, I was encouraged to try my luck in regional radio well and truly outside of uh, Perth Metro. And I took Mm -hmm. off on an adventure. I think I'd only been in Perth maybe a week, two weeks. And I headed 500 kilometres north of Perth, not knowing anyone. And I Mm -hmm. uh, ended up in a very small radio station where I got a break called Geraldton. That was a bit of fun. And from there, I look, I moved to another regional radio station. This one was larger and a little bit closer to Perth. Uh, and it was at this station that I also learned how to produce ads using a 16-track sound engineering desk. And I recall the day that I was told I needed to help produce the ads. And I called my father in Perth and I said, Dad, I can't do this. And he said, why? Have you done that before? I said, no. He said, well, get in there and learn it, girl. So it was great advice because, of course, it wasn't rocket science uh, and it was actually not that difficult to learn. So I figured it out uh, and then I really enjoyed this additional skill of producing ads as well as being on air. So I guess this backing myself and giving things a go and especially stuff that I didn't know about, the unknown, started to become a habit. So I'd say to myself often, you know, what's the worst that could happen? What could really go wrong? And when you're young and you generally see life as pretty exciting, the answer was always, well, nothing really too bad can happen, even if I muck it up. So I moved moved around Australia, gravitated toward a marketing career. I worked in advertising agencies, set up my own tiny consultancy during a time I was home with young babies just Mm -hmm. so I could keep working because I loved work. I moved to Asia for work, uh, joined the world's largest tech company, IBM in Singapore, despite being totally technology illiterate at the time, followed by returning to Australia and joining one of Australia's biggest banks, despite not being interested in banking products one bit. I generally just kept trying different things and saying yes to opportunities so I could learn more. I was very curious. So all of this has meant that I've had a really interesting, fun career, and I've been on this massive learning adventure for, you know, at least the last 25 years. So my advice to anyone at any age is to, you know, keep trying new things, reinvent yourself. It pays off in so, so many ways. New skills, new networks, new leaders, new friends, new adventures, and a heap of great stories. So I become very good dinner party talent. Oh, my God, and brilliant podcast talent, I must say, right here and now. Folks, you exude energy, Jack. I'm sure people listening to this will just, you know, you can see why I've got Jack here. We're here to talk about your journey to the boardroom, and 
my first question was going to be where did it start? But I think it's, we've already started hearing that boardroom journey. You know, all the things that you've talked about there about your love of curiosity. I loved about how you started talking about the learning adventure. You know, it's all just a bit of an adventure and you just try new things out, which I'm guessing is part of what took you to the boardroom. Totally right. Look, I loved business. I loved strategy. I loved innovation. And look, I was really enjoying my corporate career, but I was always, always, and still am to this day, really fascinated in leadership and governance. Mm. And I was really, really interested in who holds CEOs and executive leaders accountable for their behaviour and performance. And throughout my career, I'd seen some interesting behaviours and performance from CEOs mm. and executive leaders. So I also recognised that I had a lot to contribute to not-for-profits. I had skills, I had networks, I had influence in the organisations I was employed by, and those organisations had access to large resources, budgets, products, experts, Mm -hmm. partnerships, networks. So I kept thinking I could help support charitable organisations, not only with my own areas of excellence, but also with my employers' resources. So the chair of the Melbourne Community Foundation was someone who I'd met through working at ANZ. She, I think, had turned up to an event that we hosted for women in business. And she had conducted a board review uh, maybe a couple of weeks prior to to meeting me and recognised on her board that there were some skill gaps around the, the Melbourne Community Foundation board table at the time. And these gaps were specifically around brand building and promoting awareness of the fund. And mm-hmm. so after a few interviews, uh, because I was a, a marketer, I had my first board role on a very well-governed not-for-profit. And when I look back, Helia, I think, wow, how lucky I was to actually have my first governance experience sitting around a board that was governed so well. Mm. It was more than 10 years ago, uh, and it also was incredibly diverse. There was a diverse mix of age, gender, and culture on that board. So kudos to the chair. It was Marion Webster, awesome, awesome woman, a real thought leader when it comes to charitable organisations and philanthropy. Um, She Mm -hmm. certainly recognised the value and impact that different points of view and perspectives gives an organisation. So that was sort of where it started. And and then from there, I I joined the Fitter for Work board, another not-for-profit. The link was Marion. I don't know whether you've heard of Fitter for Work, but it certainly uh, is a is a very meaningful organisation that really appealed to my, I guess, values, uh, and that was about helping women experiencing disadvantage get work, keep work, and then get through their working life with success. Now, this board, we had an awesome CEO. She was just terrific. She was world-class, and there was a real range of broad expertise on the board. However, this board was all female, so there was no diversity from a gender perspective. So, again, different learnings, different culture, different experiences. Whilst I was on that board, about a couple of years in, I was approached to join another not-for-profit board, the Skin and Cancer Foundation. And again, this was interesting because this came via the executive director of that foundation, who I had actually sat on the board of the MCF with. So he and the chair had seen a gap on their board, again, a gap, wanting seasoned marketing skills as the strategy was to amplify the great work that the Skin and Cancer Foundation had done and encourage more people to use their dermatology services. I'd never worked in health before um, and I was a big fan of dermatology uh, and especially the prevention or growing awareness of skin cancer um, as it was something that a couple of my family members had battled with. So I had a personal experience with it. Love the idea of learning more about this sort of area. Growing my network, this would be new people that I would never normally mix with. And I knew that I could contribute to the foundation strategy around growing their brand. So I spent four years on that board. And then I became a foundation ambassador. They wouldn't let me go, which was very, very kind of them. I was still involved, but it made way for another person to replace me on the board. So you've recently joined, I think, the board of your first listed board, if that's right. So... 
Often for people, that's a bit of a leap, going from those not-for-profit boards into listed boards. And it's a bit of a holy grail for many people. Tell us your story. How did you make the leap? Mm, So again, my network. Somebody who uh, I met a long, long, long time ago, this person uh, had a vested interest uh, in this particular listed board, recognised, A, there was no female on the board and a lot of the smaller boards there there aren't, and suggested that I have a conversation with the chair, I have a conversation with a couple of the other uh, board members and the CEO. And so I did that. And of course, the great thing about, you know, getting on the board, as you're aware, is it's got to be about a a chemistry. It's got to be about Mm -hmm. a mutual value creation and it has to align to to your own purpose and and be something that you think you can make a difference on and also be something that you believe in. So I had those conversations and over the course of a month, maybe a month and a half, I could see, you know, that I could bring value. I could see it was a really interesting, exciting board. It's the Food Revolution Group, um, which Mm. is, you know, an Australian-owned food and beverage manufacturing company, but they're all about innovative health and it's science-backed and it's about wellness and all of those things really appeal to me. Uh, And they've got some awesome brands and I love brands. I've joined that board. I'm only three months in and I am loving it. I'm on a very steep learning curve because as well, you'd be aware once you're on a listed board, there's a whole lot of governance issues that you need to get right across. There's a lot more deadlines uh, and, and, you know, it has to be run, run really well and really professionally. And yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm going to come back to your induction to that board in a moment because I'd also love to hear how they did that. Before we get there, so someone you knew was already on the board, they reached out to you. Were they aware that you were looking for other board roles? Were you looking for other board roles? Absolutely. Now, this is a really great point you make, yeah? So I talk about networks. They are everything and they continue to be everything when it comes to getting access, access to anything, whether it be a Mm. new career or whether it be a board opportunity, and they're really, really critical. Because it's likely that people are already talking about you, your skills, your experience, your character, and you're fit for a board. And you may not even be aware of it. So if you're interested in governance and you're interested in joining a board, or maybe you're on a board and you want to join more boards, then mm-hmm. think very seriously about your personal brand. What would people say about you if you weren't in the room? You know, would they even know you to talk about you? My point here is how well do you amplify your thought leadership or areas of expertise? Are you regularly public speaking? Are you joining panels? Are you featured on podcasts? Are you writing for publications? Are you using social media to amplify your personal brand and your skills via your point of view? Mm. Women especially, and I am generalising, but they tend to be a cohort that do tend to shy away we're a bit too quiet and humble about our achievements our accomplishments and our acquired skills Mm. so every chance I have I say yes to speaking I had the great opportunity to do an executive course at Harvard a few years back and I remember a great lecturer there said every time you speak you are auditioning for leadership you know what you say to others is so powerful so be thoughtful have a point of view and offer new ideas and insights uh, and and something that they will then remember I think that's really important so so this particular character that uh, asked me to consider getting on the food revolution group board was very aware that uh, of, of who I was of my background of my successes um, of some of the things that didn't work so well of the sort of character I was and was very very aware that I wanted to join uh, a listed board so as a result yeah was able to connect me, which was great. Fantastic. Okay. And I think you'd said for this particular board, they were looking for, obviously, for the skills that they needed on the board and also gender diversity. I think I heard that. How many people are on the board and how many women are on the board now? There's five of us and there's one female. Uh Aha. So I have some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we have an awesome uh, executive team and, of course, the majority of the, uh, you know, the office uh, and the people working uh, in this organisation are women. Uh, we just mm. need to make sure that we're, we're getting them in the, in the senior levels and around the board table. But it starts with one, doesn't it? Right. It, yeah. Interest. I, I'm imagining, you know, you're fitted for work board to where you are now, where it's like, oh God, there's all these men about the table when, when part of your history is all the women around the table. So you've been tapped on the shoulder, you have a number of conversations. It sounds like not only was there a, um, a skills match and obviously a tick for diversity, there was also a bit of a vision and values match. You really believe in what this organisation does, so you've got that passion. So once you've signed up, you've said yes, how did they go in the induction? How did they let you know even more about the governance of the organisation? And as you say, in particular, because they're a listed company, talk me through what they did then to get you across everything and to get you across everything in a virtual world. Yeah. Well, obviously, I've been working virtually anyway, uh, certainly since March last year when Victoria went into lockdown. I've been uh, leading a, a team across a region virtually. Yeah. So, so, so the virtual piece wasn't a, an issue. What is a, a pain is that I've not met any of my board members or the CEO or the executive team or even, you know, in, anybody working in the, the business face-to-face. -face. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to that. Twice we've set up uh, a meeting for me to go to the uh, plant and, and meet everybody and, and twice lockdowns have, have prevented that. So, so that's been unlucky. I do my own due diligence uh, and I certainly mm -hmm. started with looking at the annual report and, and understanding what the business stood for. Uh, you know, I obviously um, look at the finances. I then did what most people do and did a Google and looked at any news reports. I wanted to understand mm. what people think of the, the business and of the brands because this is a house of brands here. So it's not known for its name, but it's certainly known for the brands that it, that it sells. So I was very, very interested in understanding what the market thought of the, the business. I then did lots of research through the ASX as well. Of course, it's listed, so that was that was easy to find information on that. I then spoke to people that actually consumed the product, so, mm. so that was also of interest to me. And then I had a really great conversation with the CEO, and, look, that conversation was the, sort of sealed the deal for me, uh, and the CEO was new but had been in the business. So the CEO was the succession plan and had come in to replace the previous CEO. And just talking about and listening to this person's excitement, enthusiasm and energy around the strategy for growth and where this business could go was what absolutely got me so mm. excited. And I could see very quickly what my skills and my background and my experience and my networks could do to support that growth. I also imagine that once you'd met the CEO, he was also pretty excited to have you on board as well. Do you know what his response was? Oh, look, I can only imagine that was the case, yeah. That's very generous. Uh, yes, he was. He, you have to apply some empathy here. He's just stepped into the CEO role and he's also dealing with a new board member and he's got a new strategy that he's about to deliver to the board, of which it will be my second board meeting at this stage. He was excited and he wanted to have that validation that others could see what he was excited about. And given this is actually a, you know, a house of brands and I'm thinking already all of the things that we could be doing to, to help amplify these brands and also learning about what we do to come up with innovative wellness products that are science-backed, you know, that really do take into consideration a broad group of stakeholders because the marketplace is changing. I've got a vegan daughter, you know, she talks to me a lot about what her preferences are 
are and why she chooses certain products and definitely why she chooses certain brands because it's what they stand for. So so the yeah. more we he and I spoke, uh, the more excited I think we both became just on, mm-hmm. around the opportunity. It's an awesome business. Food Revolution Group, awesome, awesome business. I loved when you said you were doing your due diligence. I mean, it's not surprising in a way because, you know, brand, customer's perspective and so on, but you went to speak to some consumers, you know, people who are actually engaging in the products and so on. I just love that as a way of getting insights about the organisation. You'll laugh. I actually stood next to where the product is in a fridge, in a uh, store, and I waited for somebody to pick up the product and I actually said, is this any good? And sort of made out I was a customer that was unsure about whether I should try this particular product. And this person sort of looked at me and look off and you have conversations with people in in a supermarket. You know, somebody asks you to pass you something or, or, you know, you're about to grab something that somebody else is. So, you you know, it's not uncommon. And and I referred to uh, the original juice company uh, and and OBL, as we call it uh, at the Food Revolution Group, is just some of some of the best orange juice you will ever ever consume and they looked at me and they said yeah I've been buying it for years have you only just heard about it <laughs> and I thought gee that's a good sign so uh yeah yeah so it was it was fun it was a good little research uh Oh, my God. That is fantastic. I love that. Although I'm interested, how long were you standing by the fridge for? Yeah, six, seven minutes. I was loitering. Oh, that's okay. I was six loitering. or seven minutes, that's totally fine. I was. Yeah. It felt like a long six or seven minutes given, you know, that's not something I do very often. I, I can't wait to get in and out of a supermarket. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go, folks. There's a new way of doing your due diligence on organisations. Find their product in the shop. I love that. Brilliant. Well, is there any other little beautiful little gems in there that we've missed about your due diligence or about the joining of the board? Any other beautiful little stories like standing next to the fridge? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. But look, you know, reaching out to to people and and just asking their point of view. You know, I've got, I've got a board mentor, and and the moment I stepped off the corporate roller coaster and and decided I'd take on a portfolio career, I actively sought out this particular person to be my board mm. mentor because there's so much I don't know on 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 listed boards. You know, somebody I could bounce things off, and and she was an awesome source of support and gave me some really uh, you know great confidence boosters. I guess about don't be afraid to ask this. Make sure you look at this and if you want me to just cast my eyes over anything just again sharing that load uh so yeah I'd, mm. I'd recommend getting a board mentor so you've traversed this journey of a number of not-for-profit boards you've now landed your first listed company boardroom what's next on the board journey of jack phillips <sighs> I'm a busy girl at the moment, Hellier, and as I said earlier, I'm, I'm a very good boss, but I'm getting my work-life balance a bit mucked up. I'm, I'm doing a bit too much work, so uh, I need to manage this carefully. But I actually do want to join at least one other listed board, and I want it to mm-hmm. be in an area, you know, of, of real interest to me, uh, in a sector not necessarily that I know a lot about because I love the reverse, um, not reverse mentoring, but reverse learning mm-hmm. opportunity that you get by, by joining an industry that you've, you've not been part of before. Skin and Cancer Foundation was a great example of that. Mm. So I'm, I'm not actually, um, you know, specific about the industry, but I'm very, very specific about the type of chair and who's mm. around the board table and how my skills 
And when I think about the thought leadership areas uh, that, that I can claim that they are very much around unlocking the potential of brands and digital marketing, um, mm-hmm. which is really relevant today, as well as this whole coaching piece and executive leadership coaching and support, because that's an area that I've also become qualified in and have built up my own uh, executive leadership and coaching business. And so those two things, whilst they're quite different, actually are skills that are really quite needed today on the board. You know, um, legal and finance are generally always around a board table, but you might not always have people that can talk to people and culture, that can talk to executive leadership and coaching. And you know yourself, the uh, impact of great inquiry from coaching and how Mm -hmm. we can use that to help unlock, you know, how things really are going in an organisation. And then there's the whole digital side of the marketing, AI, AR, you know, social commerce today, how we're using Mm. social media. Again, this is something I'm talking to the the CEO and the head of marketing at the Food Revolution Group about, you know, how are we using social media to really amplify our brands, but also engage consumers and have them become way more aware about what we're doing here in Australia when it comes to science and innovation around wellness. I'm putting a shout out now to the Take On Board community. So, folks, if you know a boardroom out there that's got an awesome board and an awesome board chair that needs in the boardroom, brand, digital marketing and kind of the people, culture, executive leadership stuff in the boardroom. Jack is sector agnostic, organisation agnostic. She just wants to make that contribution to a really awesome organisation. Get in touch. Her details are also going to be in the show notes. (laughs) Gun for hire. I love it. Take on uh, board can become a recruiter now. If we're talking about leveraging the networks, Jack, this is part of the network that we are leveraging. So, love it. All right. Let me check. Even though you said you were sector agnostic, if you could land tomorrow by magic in any boardroom in the world, what would it be? Oh, what a great question. It would be probably something in the startup world that is an exciting tech business Mm -hmm. that is making a real difference to either the environment, food, animals, uh, and ultimately to people. So that's still pretty broad. I think that would be awesome. Fantastic. And in fact, even you listing those off, you can see what a great alignment Food Revolution Group was for you in that it's clearly in your bailiwick. Oh, Jack, I knew I would love our conversation. What are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? Mm. Look, networks, we've spoken a lot about networks. Uh, you know, they were and they continue to be everything when it comes to getting access to people and, and to board opportunities. Um, but, you know, networking, and as I said, women tend to shy away a little bit from amplifying themselves. Networking requires you to be strategic. It's really, really important that you think very, very carefully about you know, it's a systemic and deliberate process of building and maintaining relationships that are mutually beneficial. And I know that sounds very academic. I actually got that line from Harvard. Uh, I did a Women in Power program back in 2016 uh, at, at Harvard. Uh, and this awesome lecturer, Stacey Blake-Beard, uh, she conducted the session on the different methods and mindsets that women employ when networking in comparison to male. And she defined mm. network networks as, as being this deliberate process of building and maintaining relationships. Mm. And I think the maintaining is really important because it's very easy to say, well, I've got all these people in my network. I'm, I've got, you know, three million people following me on LinkedIn. But what are you doing to maintain those relationships? So mm. she actually asked us to list out, uh, you know, who's in our current network and to take a note of their gender, age, area of expertise and the industries that they were in. She then asked us to do some critical analysis, you know, how similar with these people 
on that network mm. list, you know, mm. in age, in gender, in area of expertise and functional industry. And when I looked at my list, they were all similar. So if you want yeah. to broaden your network, you actually and move to the next stage of your career or even more importantly, just, just build your network to help you learn and develop more broadly, then you need mm. to expand that network and you need to be doing that all of the time. Get that right, the networking, uh, don't be afraid to ask. People will will talk to you. Uh, reciprocity, you know, it's a commercial advantage. I've used it all my life. I remember being told a number of times, you know, I'd make a great not-for-profit CEO. And whilst that was very flattering, it was clear to me I was way more valuable to a not-for-profit on their board whilst I was being employed by corporates because I could mm-hmm. leverage corporate resources for the benefit of the not-for-profit. So recognising your value and contribution and what you can leverage, I think. And, of course, people will return, you know, what you do when you support them. And I guess the third thing would be developing a thought leadership position, you know, especially Mm -hmm. in an area that will take you a long way in the boardroom and post your corporate career. So we've spoken about my jam, that's marketing and building great brands, and especially on the digital side. Those are now being recognised as valued by boards. So while, you know, they might not have been considered board relevant in the past, things are changing and I'm proof. So so think very strategically now about what range of skills that you have and, and what's likely to make you attractive to future boards. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Oh, look, I, I can't stop listening and, and reading and, and learning. I'm, I'm incredibly curious. Um, I've just finished this awesome book called Cult Status by Tim Duggan. It's about how to build a business that people adore, a business with cult status. And Tim talks specifically to founders of modern brands. So he's not talking to the Nikes and all the, the businesses that have had a lot of books, uh, you know, written on them. He's talking to brands like Tom's, Who Gives mm-hmm. a Crap, uh, Zoe Foster Blake's book, uh, Her Brand Go-To. And you get mm-hmm. these great tips into why every business of the future needs to balance profit and purpose and if you do so how you can actually achieve immense success and impact so cult status by tim duggan is a book i'd recommend the other podcast because i have my very favorite podcast is take on board but my second very favorite podcast (laughs) is called fast track with margie hartley margie talks a really interesting and diverse leaders, mainly Australian, who share their career insights on topics from negotiation, workplace culture, positive psychology, and many other interesting topics. So Fast Track is a good one. And I've just discovered this global thought leader, Rashad Tabakawala. He's the former Mm. chief growth officer of the Publicis Group, which is a massive uh, marketing Mm -hmm. and advertising company. And he's a business advisor and author, but he's got this blog, Helia, and it's called The Future Does Not Fit in the Containers of the Past. Mm. And it is awesome. Uh, You can find Richard on LinkedIn and you can follow him as well as sign up for his weekly email, which is really provocative. Oh, fantastic. I'm going to put links to all of those in the show notes. And um, sounds like I've got myself a new podcast to listen to as well. That one just sounds fantastic. So I'll, I'll get on with that one as well. Oh, Jack, thank you. I just have loved our conversation. Thank you. I think you reached out initially on LinkedIn and then we had a virtual cuppa and, you know, here we are. So thank you for reaching out. Thank you for uh, taking the time to share your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. I know people will get a lot out of it. Thank you, Halia, and thank you uh, separately for for the great insights that you are providing me through the Take On Board podcast, and I know that uh, I speak for many other women who are gaining really great uh, information uh, and and confidence boosting uh, around being on board. So thank you for your contribution. Thank you. Hi there, it's Halia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together 
So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation.